Welcome back. Good Friday to you, Gavin. Good Friday. That's the last episode this week from Let's Open the Bible. It's Gavin and Russ here with you today, and uh, we just appreciate the uh, you that are listening, wherever you are, whatever time of day it is for you. Uh, if you're listening to this on uh, the Friday that this episode drops, it is Good Friday. This is the um, Passion Week. We know that uh, in the twilight uh, of that Friday, Jesus was in a very public way. Um, he was slain. He's the slain Lamb of God, just exactly in fulfillment of the uh, uh, of the slain Passover Lamb, going back to Exodus 12, which was done in the twilight of the day. Um, and uh, his blood, of course, serves as, as the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And so that's what uh, Friday is about on the Passion Week calendar. What time does your service start? Service start on Sunday morning or Friday? Friday. Um, yeah, Friday. 6 o'clock, 6.30. Okay. I hate to say that because it's it's an odd time for us, but I think it's 6 o'clock this year. Okay. I can't promise you Christy and I will come, but okay. we may come. I, I don't know that I've been to a Good Friday service, and you know I know that Very Awkward is your street name, so I'm kind of curious what that looks like. No, it is, and, and it's even more awkward than normal. I, I am not good in front of people around people like i crawl out from under a rock and that's only slightly an exaggeration but good friday is even more awkward and intentionally so um one of the weird i mean we we try to go uh point by point and one of them is on a sunday morning i try to sit with my family um that's be it's that's becoming a little more difficult for a few reasons, but I try to sit with my family on and then walk up from the congregation. I don't sit on the diaz. I don't sit in the pulpit area. Um, on a Sunday morning, I sit with my family and I, and I want to communicate that, that the family is the seminary of the church, that my family is a part of my ministry. And there are several things I try to communicate in that. So I, I, I walk up from sitting with my family or I try to the other, but on good Friday, I want to, I want to contemplate in small, tiny, tiny ways, what that outer darkness is like, mm. what weeping and gnashing of teeth would be like, what separation from loved ones and God would be like, um, just in little small ways. So, so we sit, usually um, we sit up front, slightly separated from each other. And by us, I mean, sometimes the speakers, if we're going that route, sometimes the praise band will sit up there and we just are separate. Uh, it's, it's not, it doesn't flow well. Sometimes, sometimes it, sometimes it flows. Okay. But the, the messengers are, uh, there's some staccato nature, some punctuation in the message and other times it doesn't flow well at all. Um, but I hope to communicate truth even in the awkwardness. Yeah. Good. Uh, listener, if you want to find first Corinthians 15, we're going to wrap this week up. Uh, here in 1 Corinthians 15. Yesterday, we, we ended up working through verses 12 through 15. And, and so today, we just want to kind of pick it back up there in, in verse 16. And so, uh, Gavin, if you want to lead us in, uh, well, actually, if you want to read, I'll lead us in prayer, and, uh, and then we'll go from there. Yeah, I, just, I don't even know that we need to, to read individual verses as much as we'll just work through them together simultaneously. Yeah. But do you, have a, do you have a feeling, a good Friday, whether it's good as in holy and pious Friday, or whether it's good as a kind of a, um, you know, God be with you is, is goodbye, you know, kind of run together. Good Friday is, is a God Friday. So... Going back to Malachi, um, the Bible talks about a great and terrible day of the Lord, right? Uh, it, it is great for some. 
and it is terrible for others. Good Friday for me is kind of on the, the, the great side of things. It's good in the sense that um, uh, it's Jesus as our sacrifice, as the Lamb of God. It's terrible in the sense that um, the suffering, the suffering servant, uh, by his stripes, we are healed. And so it's, it's good and it's hard. It's it's good and it's terrible. In so you sense. take neither of those that are the uh, typical understanding of of Good Friday as one being holy, like the Good Book is holy book, the Bible. Um, it was kind of an off the cuff answer. I, I've always, uh, you know, I've never really sat down and uh, I have questioned it. You know, why is Good Friday Good Friday? And I, I think I've heard some of the responses that you gave, but that's kind of how I think of it a little bit. I like that. I like how you say, well, the 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 formal etymology of it, I'm not sure of, but this is how I hold it together in my mind because there are some really weird songs that happened because of w- what Russ just spoke of, like Old Rugged Cross. What a wondrous attraction for me. Do you know how odd it would be for a Roman or for a Jew rather prior to uh, these events to be walking, you know, walking around with a cross as a necklace? Like we're walking around with a torture device. Imagine walking around with a gold or silver electric chair. I mean, that's kind of, you know, it's a, it's a device of death. Yes, and, and, and I think maybe to make it more impactful or intense and, and uh, is to imagine that you would walk around with a torture device that a loved one was placed upon and killed. Right. Um, and that's really awkward. And then, and then to make it even more awkward, um, someone one time asked me, would it be okay in a play if we shouted crucify him mm. in a play, you know? And, uh, and I'm one that, uh, you know, to be quite frank, I don't like pictures of Jesus. I don't like representations of Jesus. I, I you know, I, I, I struggle with that. That's another conversation for another day. But can we say, can we shout in a play, crucify him? And I had to think about that. And I thought, what would you do if you had the opportunity? This is not biblical. This is just in my imagination. It may not be helpful to the listener at all. But what would you do if you could pull Jesus aside like Peter before he went to the crucifixion? And rebuke him. And you just say, Jesus, I don't want you to go to the cross. Now, instead of looking at you and saying, get thee behind me, Satan, you've set your eyes on things of man, uh, you know, instead of things of God, if what would it look like if Jesus just said, you know, Russ, if I don't go to that cross, you remain in your sin. And you will burn for all eternity. The, the, the worm never dies, the fire's never quenched, and the smoke of their torment ascends forever. Right? What if he looked at you and said, if I don't go to that cross, your children will remain in their sin, your wife in her sin, your church members in their sin. If I don't go to the cross, every man stands before God and hears the words guilty and there is no hope. If I don't go to that cross, almost in sheer agony, I cry out, crucify him. Now, that's, that's not even saying that I wouldn't have been caught up in the crowd or I would have had a better perspective than all those people there. I would have been the one that saw things clearly. Even that aside, maybe I was. I still have to cry out crucifying. There is no hope if he doesn't go to the cross. Right. Let me ask you this. Have you seen the movie The Passion? I have. And, and just so we avoid that, I am not a fan of people saying that is the most impactful 
impactful spiritual moment they've ever had. They've never experienced the cross like that. I think we talked about this. If I can say that Mel Gibson did a better job of communicating the death, burial, and resurrection than the Holy Spirit wrought authors of the New Testament, I, I, I'm not comfortable in that place. So I think the it's Bible, just the visual aspect of it. Yeah, but the and the music and everything that's tugging at my heartstrings. But the Bible is the living and active and breathing Word of God. So here's I kind of alluded this. I think I wrote about this in the in my uh, pastor's note every week. Our bulletin has a little note from me uh, that I uh, put in there, and, and I wrote in there that a lot of people are uncomfortable uh, watching the Passion. Like that, maybe they've seen it once, they have no desire to see it again. Like, I, I don't watch it every year around Easter, but oftentimes I do. So, my question that I pose in there is why are we uncomfortable? Why are we uncomfortable seeing what may have happened, the brutality of it, the gruesomeness of it? Is it because of the pain Jesus endured? Or is it because we're seeing the pain that Jesus endured? Or is it because he endured that for us? Like we're the reason that, you know, the sin is the reason why he died on the cross. And and I think for me, when when Christy and I went and watched that, I mean, we we wrote home in complete silence. Uh, in the theater, there was there was some weeping. Um, I, I don't remember being moved emotionally to weep. I just remember just kind of being just kind of stunned at the brutality of seeing the brutality of it and the graphic nature and all of those things. And we didn't speak like all the way home. I think we were both just kind of processing it. But one thing, I, looking back on that, one thing I don't remember thinking was he did that for me. I'm the reason. You know, sin's the reason. And instead, I think we, some, some of us, some believers, I think, look at um, the pain of Christ instead of the cause. And I, I think it's important for us to, as we, as we, you know, today's Good Friday, I think it's really important. And I think you, you, it sounds like you do a good job of making sure we understand the disgusting nature of sin. And, you know, and I think that's where I'm going with this is, you know, really, we we need to understand Easter for what it is. The the sacrifice Jesus paid, it, you know, yeah, by his stripes are healed, but it's not about the pain he endured. It's about the reason he endured the pain. Right. There's so much there that you just laid out. So so first of all, again, the word has to do a work that I don't think we let the word do. Yeah. I think when Mel Gibson can touch us more than the word of God can touch us, we're not wrestling with the word of God well. I, I think maybe we get too quickly back on our phones or on our, uh, you know, watching movies, getting caught up in life instead of saying, God, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things from your word. I don't know that we get everything from God's word because we're not praying uh, for it. We're not experiencing it. We're we're not taking time to ruminate on it. And I don't mean you, I mean we, right. I mean I. I don't mind how you want to word that. Uh, so, Christendom. But, but the other part of that is, I, you know, Mel Gibson's uh, presentation doesn't even scratch the surface of what Jesus went through. I mean, in two hours, he was he, he, he kind of squeezed in together a lot of things. And by the way, not only do you not feel that pain, you don't smell the things that were going on. Right. You don't, I mean, th- that was more brutal than you can possibly imagine. And he just scra- doesn't scratch the surface of it. 
Um, and nor do we, when we do a good Friday service, are we scratching the surface of the heinous nature of sin. And, and I was thinking about all those things and so many more, but one thing that crossed my mind is what about somebody in their deepest, darkest, uh, the throes of addiction? And I struggle with my own temptation. I struggle with failures. So I'm not going to like, wonder what it feels like to be a sinner that sees that thing that, you know, the cross, I am one, mm-hmm. but can you imagine the, the feeling if you are in the midst of just raging alcoholism and where you're losing everything and you, I don't care if it's seeing the passion of Christ, you know, the movie, but even more than that, reading God's word and just seeing, experiencing Christ and you're in the throes of this addiction and you're, you know, and you're, and you've lost everything and you, and you're at the very bottom and you go, but he paid for that because as his back is being opened up by the whip, the cat of nine tails, but as his, as his muscles are being exposed and as then he's led up to Calvary, Golgotha, the, the, the skull, the, the place of the skull and, and his, he's being placed on the cross and his, they're nailing him to the cross and he's dying he hasn't yet experienced the worst part of that. Right. That's right. Which is the wrath of God poured out on him. Yeah. And as someone, again, to go back to that person and go, wait, the gospel, that powerful gospel has set me free, not only from the penalty of sin, that's called justification. That's when I trust that Jesus died for me. But be, that that cross, that gospel, the power of God at work, the same power that raised Christ from Jesus from the dead is at work in me to set me free. I I am no longer a slave to this sin. As you experience the power of Good Friday coupled with Easter morning, I I can't imagine that 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 is anything but salve to your hurting soul. Yeah. If you just receive it. Yeah, it's beautiful. Um how about I pray and, and you begin in verse 16. I, I, that's just a beautiful picture, but let's talk about the, the, the passage. Okay. All right. Love it. Father, we thank you. And just uh, hearing me say that seems so insufficient. Amen. I can't imagine the setting. I can't imagine the scene. I can't imagine what Christ experienced. I can't imagine what... Mary and the disciples witnessed and their emotions. But Lord, I'm so thankful. I don't deserve, none of us deserve what Christ did and what he endured. And so, Lord, I pray, Father, that uh, this conversation that we're having and as we read these um, verses of Scripture, Lord, that whoever's listening to this, wherever they're located, that they would be encouraged by your grace. Encouraged um, that, that you love them so much that, that Jesus did what he did for them, rescuing them from their sins, carrying their sins and separating their sins from them as far as the east is from the west. And so, Father, thank you is so completely insufficient, but we praise you, we thank you, and we love you. And so, Father, I pray that this would be encouraging for the listener and helpful for us as well. 
And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Yeah, that that that's a powerful prayer, the insufficiency of our gratitude. And, you know, there's a, there's a song by Stephen Curtis Chapman and Jeff Moore that says, when words are not enough uh, to tell you of our love, please listen to our hearts. And I said, man, my heart doesn't even express the worth of God. Yeah. And so the, and another interesting thing for me, interesting, fascinating, but much more than that, it's um, God glorifying is that Christ died and was raised for to establish God's kingdom. So there's this corporate um, nature of salvation. That, that, that's why when we baptize, we don't just, I, I don't baptize and just let somebody walk off. You're baptized into a covenantal community of faith, right? right? So you, you want to baptize people that are either going to be a part of your church or if there's extenuating circumstances, they're going to be under the care of somebody. You know, they're not just being baptized to be left alone. There's a corporate nature. That's why we're commanded to meet as a church, the ecclesia, the gathering people. But there's also an individual nature. And Paul makes that very clear in Galatians 2, that Jesus loved me and died for me. Very right. individual. So there's the corporate nature. There's the individual nature. And and I'm a believer. I've said this. Um, sometimes we get caught up in this heady doctrine, which is necessary and good and powerful and right, but we fail to experience the love of God. Right. And so I've one time said, who in this congregation thinks that God loves them the most? And I, I don't mean like this is a competition, but you are so sure that God loves you. And that, you know, people raise their hand, raise their hand. And I said, I can tell you this on the authority of God's word. You don't even have the, 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 you have just simply scratched the surface of the love that God has for you. It is so overwhelming. And then I was talking with somebody about this this morning that it, I believe if we would just experience the fullness of God's love in our unregenerate body, that at the end of first Corinthians 15, they're going to talk about the, the, the resurrected, raised, regenerate new seed body. I think if we would experience God's love apart from that, just the fullness of it, we would die. That's how overwhelming God's love is for us individually. But then there's the the biggest reason that Christ came and died, which was God's glory. He is the sent one. He was always on a mission from the Father to accomplish his purposes for this very reason he came. He was sent for this reason to go to the cross and die and and uh you know, call to himself a re- redeemed regenerate weird or what peculiar people uh God's people. So anyways, there's the the corporate, there's the individual, and then there's the glory of God, which is the heart of everything. Um, all right, so let's get into it. Verse 16, 1 Corinthians, beginning For if the 16. dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised from the dead. Um, anything that, 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 makes, that you want to make much of there, I, I want to touch on dead. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so um, I, I think that we believe that, uh, you, you know, you talked about, I think, the last episode about walking around to the malls um, and going, why should God let you in, into, you know, it's that Fort Lauderdale question. If you would die today, why should God let you into his into, into heaven? And most people say, because I'm a pretty good person. And I think they fail to realize the Ephesian 2 reality. Yeah. You are by nature. Children of wrath. Oh, so, yeah, but you are born dead in your trespasses and sin. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you're, you're dead even while you're walking around. Walking you're, dead. <laughs> the walking dead, you're separated from God. So, so, so it says this, you know, for if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And I think right now he's speaking of the physical body, but if Christ be not raised, we are still dead and we will always be dead. Right. There's no hope. We, we've, we've kind of covered that yesterday. Okay. All right. Um, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. And that gets to what we were talking about. Yeah. 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 It, with sin comes death. Yeah. And if we're still in our sins, then 
we're dead. Yes. No hope. And separated from, alienated from God. We are uh, hostile. Um, uh, what is it? Um, if you live in the flesh, you will die. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. Yeah, we are we are hostile to God, for we do not submit to God's law. Indeed, we cannot. Yeah, Peter, Peter says that, um, you know, that, that we are sojourners. We're pilgrims. And so as believers, what, what we need to understand is, is that, that we are, our citizenship is in heaven yeah. because uh, we are not dead in our sins because Christ has been risen. Right. And by God's grace through faith, we are, uh, we are adopted as children, co-heirs with Christ. And uh, that, what that means is, the implication of that is, is that we have a mission uh, while we're here until we go home. But what Paul is saying, rightly, obviously, rightly here, inspired uh, by God here to, to remind us that if that's not true, if God has not been raised, we're still dead. Yeah. Well, and, and I love this. I've heard people say, well, why do so the the doctrine of original sin, which not everybody agrees with, I think it is absolutely essential to my faith. In fact, you get into Pelagianism, semi-Pelagianism. All these are words are words you can look up. If you're listening and you you want to look them up, fine. I believe very strongly in the doctrine of original sin. That we, uh, again, in sin did my mother conceive me means not that, that that was a sinful act, but that we are born with the seed of Adam in us. We, again, are by nature children of wrath. So we have inherited the sin of Adam and Eve, our first parents, right? right. So then, then you go, oh, well, why should I have to suffer for the sins of Adam and Eve? Cause... Well, that gives us hope because then there are federal heads that pass on that, that seed, but Christ then can impute his righteousness to us and we can receive the covering that is in Christ. So right. that's a good thing, but that's not what this text says today. So if you go back to the text today, what does it say at the very end of the verse we just looked at? It's It doesn't say Adam and Eve's sin. What does it say? You were still in your sins. So it's in whose sin? Your sins. So you're saying that I've committed enough sin on my own to make myself condemned before God. Exactly. <laughs> yes, you have. Right. I mean, we if anybody thinks they would have handled the garden differently than Adam and Eve, you don't understand your nature very well. Yeah. You don't understand who you are. Yeah, I mean, and I've often said this. If Adam and Eve could not remain without sin – in a world without sin, we have no chance. Even if you say, well, I was born without sin, you're still going to fail. So can we walk through the, uh, the Augustinian Seemals, uh, or uh, not Seemals, sorry, the, uh, the, the um, Passes? You'll have to explain what that is. I don't remember what Passes Passe are. Groups of people that go out riding in the old westerns. That <laughs> You're sorry. such a knucklehead. <laughs> knucklehead. All right. So no, but in the garden, it's passe picare, and and this is just a fancy way. I love that you can look these things up afterwards. I hope this is helpful. But in the garden, picare just think sin. Passe think possible. So. Augustine said this in the garden, it was passe peccari. It was possible, possible to, to sin. Not sin. No, passe peccari is possible to sin. Okay. And it was also passe non peccari. It was possible not to sin, right? So in the garden, it was possible to sin and possible not to sin. At the fall of Adam and Eve and how we are born, it was non passe non peccari. It was not possible not to sin and it was passe peccari, possible to sin. 
All right. Now, when you're saved, we are restored to the passe non picari and passe picari. It was possible to sin and possible not to sin. One day, and this is the whole point of all that laying the foundation, one day in the presence of God with the beatific vision standing and just um, being imminently aware, being in the very presence of God, it will be non passe picari. It will be passe non picari, possible not to sin, and not possible to sin. Non passe picari. Can you imagine when it's just, when you are so... Um, captivated by the beauty of God, that's the beatific vision is to be in the very presence of God, to behold him um, as he is, to be so captivated by his beauty that it is not possible to do something contrary to to, to what he has called us to do. Yeah. You don't even want to. He is so beautiful. You don't want to turn away. You don't want to walk any other way. You just want to behold him. And it is, it is delight that you cannot even begin to imagine um, it is, it is joy that we cannot uh, understand or imagine uh, forevermore because we just behold his beauty. So I don't know where that came from. Oh, possible to sin. It's our sin. Yeah. yeah in the garden. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Appears and I like passed, that. Your... Appears to be passed on through the male. Yes. Yeah. The seed of Adam. Yeah. So that when the Holy Spirit overcame Mary uh, to uh, impregnate her with. Uh, what would be Jesus? There was no sin transferred there because the Holy Spirit he was is pure born of the and holy. seed of Mary. Yeah, he was born of the seed of woman. Right, is the way that it's worded. Yeah. but there's another one. So the immaculate reception is—is is that what we're talking? No, that's Franco Harris. Yeah, <laughs> and that's debatable. That's not debatable. It is debatable. I'll fight you on this. Really? Yes. Who do you like? You're Kansas City boy? Yeah, but no. Go back and look at the video. Wait, you don't it, like it, the radar it, the Raiders. It, it, right, but it cut off. The video no cuts video. off. The the ball hit the ground. The the technical Latin term is video schmidio. There is no <laughs> video that'll show anything but that it was a clearly a touch. The ball hit the ground. Anyway. All right. So the the Immaculate did you know this? I know you know this. The Immaculate Conception. In uh, Latin theology, is not that Christ was born immaculately of a virgin, but that Mary was conceived as well. So he is twice removed from sin. Now, there's nowhere in Scripture that 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 is evident at all. How in nowhere. the world did they get there? Well, it's the the this blessed virgin, this holy virgin. I think again. The, the veneration of Mary comes from an understanding. Uh, and again, I don't want to, I don't want to divide where Christians need not divide. But the veneration of Mary comes from the fact that Jesus is God in the flesh, God incarnate, Emmanuel, God with us. So the veneration of Mary comes from the nature of Jesus rather than anything you'll really find in Scripture. And her role as co-redemptrix is not found. In scripture at all. So these are extra biblical ideas that have crept in because of the magnitude of the glory of Christ Jesus rather than the humility of Mary. You know, I mean, so, so they lift up Mary because Christ rather than that you find this in the text. So right. odd. Anyway, I, I want to read verse 19 and okay. then I want to ask you a question. Uh oh. Uh, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are are we are of all people most to be pitied. Why? 
Well, we're to live a life in Christ that we have sacrificed so much. We are to place everything on the altar of God. If you are a Christian and you have said, like Christ, you know what you're worthy of? You're worthy of about an hour on Sunday morning. Nobody is going to pity you for living that life. Nobody. Yeah. I mean, you've sacrificed an hour a week. You give up more of that and you know, and maybe nap time or football time or I mean an hour a week, that's nothing. You're not to be pitied. But if you have placed everything on the altar of God, if you're the Adoniram Judson of the world that has has uh, that has you know placed what he married, she passed away. He married again, she passed away. He had countless children pass away. The very first child he had, he had to throw overboard on a ship to the mission field. He had to watch his firstborn child sink beneath the waves. The suffering that he did is is I mean, just to I, I think I, I've said this before in the in the book the the uh, Courtney Alexander book to the Golden Shore on Adoniram Judson. I just wrote in the margins how much can God expect of one man? I mean, when you're saying God, you're worthy of everything, and I have placed everything on the altar of God, and it has cost you much. He is worthy. You will never become a debtor to God. Who has given a gift to God that he should be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. You have never given a gift to God that that you now God is in your debt. But you've placed a lot on his altar. God, it's yours. Everything I, I have been bought and paid for by the shed blood of Jesus Christ, all that I am is yours. People look at you and they go, what in the world? You know who will talk you out of living a life like that? The church. I've seen it before. The church will talk you out of living a life like that. When you say, hey, I've got a heart condition, but I'm going to go to the mission field, the church will be the first in line to say, don't do that. That's not worth it. If you start living a life that is radical to the root of Christianity, radical to the root of who Christ Jesus is, if you start rendering him all that he is due, if you start saying, what profit a man to gain the whole world and to lose his soul, conversely, I would give up everything to get Christ. People will start pitying you. You are above all people most to be pitied. You've sacrificed everything for what? A lie? Well, didn't they do the same thing to Paul? Which Basically, one? they tried to talk him out of going. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Acts 20 and 21. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Agabus. Yeah, and it comes down. So, I mean, this, and, this has deep roots. Yes. Well, I mean, Peter, you know, we just said that. Peter tried to talk Jesus out of suffering. That's why he pulled him aside at, at, at right after his confession at Caesarea Philippi. He pulls Jesus aside and says, like, you can't go to the cross. People will talk you out of placing uh, on the altar of God the things that he's worth. There's a... There's um, that that famous missionary that I always forget his name. He's so well known, but he was going uh, to a cannibalistic island. It's well known account. You'll probably know his name. Um, it's James M. Mick something, and I always forget it. But he's going to a, a cannibalistic island, and as the boat uh, approaches the island, the yeah. captain of the boat says, "You cannot get off." or you will die. And he said, we died before we ever got on this boat. Now that's the life that you live that makes God look beautiful and worthy. It's also the life that you live that people will pity you for. I can't believe Russ gave it all up. Yeah. He had, so, so there's a, there's a Christian missionary, uh, Michael O and he talks about, you know, within his wife, himself, his sister and his brother-in-law, there is like 16 years of Ivy League education. I think it's even more than that. And that's countless hours of study. Michael O brings in his dad who, who worked and worked and worked to put him through school. And he took all that money that was given over time to Harvard and Yale. He took all that time that was invested in libraries and studies and all those things. He took all that effort 
and he placed it on the altar of God and he became a missionary. And his dad just couldn't understand it. That makes God look beautiful. It also makes you look foolish. And you will be very pitied. And that's what I've said this before. Can you imagine opening up your home and someone saying, well, I told him he shouldn't open up his home. Someone's going to take advantage of him. You know, you open up your home in a way that that makes God look beautiful and you've entertained angels unaware, but people around you will pity you for that if something goes wrong, somebody steals something from you. Can you imagine going on the mission field and dying and someone going, I told him not to go and you're going, oh, but I have an inheritance in heaven that was guaranteed by the shed blood of Christ who and Christ Jesus who called me himself. Come, follow me. And that means to the cross. Yeah. Yeah, very good. That's a pitiful life. It is a beautiful life, and it's the good life. And we do that because he is risen indeed. Amen. Yeah. If he's if he be not raised from the dead, all this is, we are above all people most to be pitied. Yeah. Well, uh, this is a good place to end here on this Good Friday. Uh, once again, let me just exhort you who are listening uh, to find a, a church um, that's going to worship tonight, a Good Friday service. I, I hope to come to uh, North Lexington and and uh, and see you tonight, Gavin, but I can't make that promise. Um, but on Sunday, man, be in God's house. If they have a, a – whether they have a, a sunrise service or not, our sunrise service is kind of a wink, wink, nod, nod. I mean, it's at 7.30. The sun's been up for, you know, an hour at that point. But But – you know, we're going to celebrate the resurrection. We're going to celebrate that the angel told Mary, uh, why do you seek the living among the dead? You know, uh, he's not here. He has risen just as he said. And uh, we're going to celebrate. We're going to sing and, and shout. We're going to lift our praises and, uh, and uh, just, just worship our risen Savior. And, and let me just exhort you to do the same. Corporately. Uh, exalt him, worship him, praise him, and, and sing your praises to him. And we look forward to catching back up with you on Monday. Until then, God bless.